I think not having to think about the money when things happen is a huge benefit. When things happen and you can just kind of sit back and say, okay, this happened. Here's my courses of actions. Here's my options. Here's the things I can do from a calm place, not stressed out of, oh, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? That makes a huge difference. So being able to sleep at night, and I always say like my emergency fund, for example, is one of the reasons why I sleep so good. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Ambus Hunter, financial educator, coach, blogger, and speaker. Ambus has had quite the story since graduating during the Great Recession. At the age of 24, Ambus was student debt-free, financially in a good place, and enjoying his life after college. Unfortunately, he was introduced to gambling shortly after entering the workforce and it started to consume his life, affecting him both physically and mentally. Shortly after realizing he had a problem, Ambus began to work on his recovery and began to work towards regaining control of his financial situation and his life. His life experiences have put him in a position to help others, and that is what he is now enjoying. Ambus has the goal to help as many people as possible to make sense of their relationship with money and live the life they desire. Listen in and hear how Ambus has used the negative experiences in his life to create a positive impact for himself and countless others. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I have Ambus Hunter, financial educator, coach, blogger, and speaker with us today. And I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Thanks for joining us today, Ambus. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. So listen, just so our listeners understand who you are and what you're all about, can you tell us about your path to launching your financial wellness company? Absolutely. So back in 2017, I was volunteering with a nonprofit in Maryland, doing some financial coaching, doing some workshops, doing some various types of activities for local colleges and some other things around the area. And I really just wanted to experience what that was like. You know, I had been informally helping people with money pretty much the bulk of my adulthood. So volunteering in the community seemed like the next step to see like, okay, let's do this at a larger scale, see how I feel about it. And throughout that process, which I absolutely loved, I decided to kind of go back to school and gain a certification. So I started working with the AFCPE, the Association for Financial Counseling and Planning Education, and working towards my accredited financial counseling certification. So through that process, I'm doing more one-on-one counseling. I'm doing more volunteer work. I'm doing a little bit of blogging. And I kind of have that moment where I think, okay, let me take this now to the next level and see what I can do as me, as me, the, the individual. So started an official blog started doing some presentations for some different organizations and really just started getting at it as far as what could I build as my own financial education company. 
And that includes, as you mentioned, blogging, speaking engagements, one-on-one coaching, and I hope to start doing some courses as well in the future. Great, great. So you've had some very unique and specific experiences yourself with money, and I know that's something that you really want to educate people on is really to find what their relationship is with money and how that correlates to maybe how they're doing things and to help them be better prepared financially for their future. How have your experiences with money affected you and brought you to where you are today? Well, I like to tell people that my first experience with money was actually through my parents. And I was fortunate to grow up in a home where experiences were valued. So my parents who, you know, they high school educated, they grew up in a time where there weren't a lot of opportunities. So they had to learn about money kind of the hard way, right? the old fashioned way. <laughs> and through their experiences, they imparted on us a lot of those life lessons. So, you know, saving money and having an emergency fund and working, but being able to use your money to do the things that bring you satisfaction and joy. So growing up in that type of household, that was really kind of setting the foundation for my relationship with money, which was earn money, save money, but also be able to enjoy money and do the things that bring you happiness. So as I kind of built on that foundation, as I got older, you know, went off to college and was able to land a pretty good job within the federal government and things were going well. And after a couple of years, I stumbled upon a a gambling addiction. And that was probably one of the key moments of my life, having this gambling addiction, kind of going through the turmoil of that and seeing the negative impacts it had on my life, had on my relationship with money, had on my health, physical health, mental health, my outlook, what it was doing to my career. And recovering through that, battling through that and recovering through that is what started really solidifying my money mindset and the importance of having a strong relationship with money and not just earning money and spending it or being disconnected, but really having an intentional thought process, an intentional approach to money. It was through that gambling addiction. So that was one of the key elements. And after I had that mindset shift, I think my whole thought process with money kind of accelerated after that point. So I started living with multiple roommates. Of course, this was younger. I was in my mid-20s. So I had multiple roommates. I I was saving money. I was aggressively investing money. And I was really able to see the benefits of short-term sacrifice and long-term results. So Mm -hmm. living with roommates for four and a half years, saving all that money that I was saving in rent, investing a lot of the money that I was able to save on rent. That put me in a position to where after a few years, you know, I'm in a position to buy a house. Mm -hmm. I'm in a position to where now I am so financially strong. I'm looking at, oh, what would early retirement look like? You know, so all of those moments throughout my timeline started and really solidified my view of money and my views of what money can do for me when I go about it in an intentional and a thoughtful and a healthy way. Right. Was there anything in your background where, with the relationship with money, where others that you saw had an issue with gambling that you kind of took that in from? Or was that something just new and unique to you and your facts and circumstances? 
I knew some individuals in my family that scratch-offs or playing the lottery. That's something I grew up seeing, but it certainly didn't appear to be a problem. Right. When I kind of got mixed up in that, it became a problem. Very quickly became a problem. Yeah. And it's good that you noticed it. You were able to get on the right path and start working in the right direction to recovery because there are so many people that don't get that opportunity or have the ability to make that transition and it becomes very difficult. And and like you said, not being financially stable and having an addiction, even like gambling, causes so many other ramifications that people don't think about. It's not just a money thing. It's a health. It's a mental it goes through your whole being, if you will. And it's a good thing. And I appreciate you sharing your story and getting back on the right path. And I'm, you know, I know that it's something that you have to continue to work towards forever because it's something that you don't want to move back towards, I would imagine, at this stage, since you've kind of put it behind you to some degree at this point. Absolutely. And you hit on a lot of important parts as far as the negative impacts a gambling addiction can have on you. And it's one of those things where when you're going through it, you don't see it. Right. You're feeling it. And I think when I was, you know, if I can try to put myself back in that moment, I was noticing I was no longer taking care of myself in the right way. I was noticing I was distracted at work. I was noticing just a general disconnection from life. My mind was preoccupied with gambling. And I slightly felt that, but like most problems, when you're in it, you seem to think, oh, no, it's not that bad. Right. I can get through this or I can stop anytime. Did you come to the realization all by yourself or did you have outside influences that kind of alerted you say, hey, Ambus, you have an issue here. You got to look a little deeper. Were you having those outside forces kind of having you question also to get on the right path as well? So I did something that I would never recommend someone do if they're going through a gambling addiction or any really any type of addiction. I did not share that with anybody. Well, I take that back. I had one friend who knew I was gambling and knew I was, especially when I was hitting my downward spiral and losing, he was kind of aware that things were not going as well as they were in the beginning when I was winning a lot, but he did not know the extent of it. It's kind of, I joke about this about myself. It's the pro and the con of me. I like handling my own problems. Right. But the con is that I got like I like handling my own problems. <laughs> right. So I can be very stubborn and sometimes only want to deal with issues on my own when really there could have been opportunities to talk to others about it. So no one really around me as far as my immediate family or anyone really observed anything that was going on. Matter of fact, my immediate family didn't even know I had a gambling addiction until I started blogging about it. And I started putting it out there and, and talking to people about it on more of a public scale. So it was my own realization that things were not going right. And I did have a couple of, I call them splash of water in the face type of moments where you kind of realize, whoa, I've gone too far. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's always, when you have an addiction or something like this, there's always that one thing or that one event that kind of helps you realize that you have an issue and you need to change. What was that thing for you that kind of was that splash in the water? Say, whoa, whoa, I got an issue here. I got to start working on this because this is not going to be a good long-term path for me. Well, when I was going through this addiction, this would have been fall of 2011, right? So I had just turned 25. And after a spring and summer of winning thousands and thousands, I was really hitting a downward spiral and I was burning through my savings. In fall 2011, I had burned through all the money I'd made from gambling 
And then I started burning through my savings. So here I am on like my last, I might have had like another thousand dollars to my name. And I started receiving these phone calls. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's like today when you're receiving phone calls from a number you don't recognize, what do you typically do? You're like, oh, this is probably spam. This is probably those car warranty people, whatever. Right. You know, that's what we would think <laughs> now back in 2011. That, that necessarily wasn't, wasn't the scam of the not day. Not as prevalent, right? But not as prevalent, but still I'm receiving a phone call that I don't recognize. And then this is going on for days. I'll never forget this. I was sitting at work one day and I see this, my phone ringing again. And I'm like, oh, there's that number calling again. And something told me to answer the phone. So I answer the phone and it's Walmart credit card services telling me that I had not paid my credit card bill. And as weird as that sounds, that was the moment where I realized I had a problem because for all of my life, I had never been late on a bill. I had right. never forgotten to pay a bill. I was very on top of my money, again, back to those lessons I learned from my parents. So kind of hearing from the credit card company, oh, by the way, you have not paid your bill, it kind of snapped me back to reality that I had lost myself and I was losing track of the days. I had no idea what day it was because I was gambling every other day at this point as I'm burning through my savings. So it was that phone call that kind of saved me and kind of brought me back to reality that I've lost myself. Things have gone too far. And if I don't course correct, I'm going to end up burning through everything else I got. Right. And as weird as that sound, I am very thankful that that happened because who knows how long I may have continued to go on. Well, it's a good thing you answered that phone call and it wasn't the warranty people, I guess you could say. (laughs) So one last thing on gambling and then we'll move on. You know, I feel like today, in today's day and age, where we are today, that gambling is now in our faces more than ever. And I think one of the specific ways to me is on the sports front. You can't turn on a sporting event right now without them talking about or seeing an endorsement from a gambling company that is looking for you to place a bet. You can now place bets in during the game, you know, before the game, maybe even after the game. I don't know. But how do you feel about this? And what do you see as somebody who's trying to help people get on their financial path? What do you see the potential impact on our youngsters who are growing up in this environment and obviously are going to have a different, potentially a different relationship with money because of these outside forces that they're constantly hearing about? You're right. And gambling is expanding where I'm at, even in Baltimore, the Horseshoe Casino. I remember when that was being built Mm -hmm. and casinos especially are typically framed to the general public as revenues for the city and creates jobs and all these great things. And I think the negative side of gambling is hidden in our society. We have the lottery, we have, you know, the scratch off. All these things are very socially acceptable. Sports betting, like you said, very socially acceptable to get involved with these types of things. And I am of the mindset that Honestly, I'm not anti-gambling. I'm not anti-casinos. I feel like people should be able to have whatever form of entertainment they want to do. That's not really a problem for me. I do think, however, the exposure and the social acceptance of it can become a problem because it can start normalizing these types of things. And, And to your point, as far as our youth growing up where that is so much in their face, 
I think time will tell what impact that has. I don't think we yet have enough information because it hasn't right. been around like the, the prevalent sports betting. There's always been sports betting, but as far as how accessible it is right now on your phone, you know, the apps right. that you can download, that in a time we haven't just experienced, we haven't experienced anything like this before. So I think it's interesting from a historical perspective to see kind of what will happen. I do think it has the potential to be negative, just like anything else that can become so acceptable and so accessible, mm-hmm. so easily accessible, that definitely has the potential to be negative. But what I hope is if we're going to have these things available, there needs to be resources also accessible and readily available to help people if they do find themselves struggling with it. I mean, we tend to see the, oh, if you have a problem with gambling phone number at the end of a casino commercial or something like that, or maybe on the small print of the billboard, but I would like to see that equal amount of energy and that equal amount of advertising for these resources. Let people have their fun. Some people can gamble all their lives without it being a problem. Just like some people can smoke cigarettes all their life without whatever, without it necessarily becoming a problem. But there are going to be some individuals that have a problem. They need to be able to have access to those resources too. I agree with you. I'm not anti-gambling. I think there's a place for it. I've been known to go to Vegas and have a good time, but as well, just like anybody else, I don't have that mindset or that gene or, you know, inherent concern where it would turn into a problem for me. But I can see where there are people that are maybe even predisposed to having issues with it. And that's where the level of concern comes. And like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the most important factor is education and educating people just like drinking, right? Having a drink does not mean you have a problem. You have to learn to do things in moderation and gambling is similar. And I think that there's got to be some kind of educational component I think now more than ever earlier on, because of the accessibility that people are educated that just because you gamble, you're not a bad person, doesn't mean you're going to have a problem, but you should be looking out for these things that if you have these tendencies, that maybe it's not a great idea or you have to learn how to manage that a little better so that it doesn't become a problem. So I think we're on the uh, same page as far as that's concerned. This is the Midland Money Mindset, and we talk a lot about mindset and being in the proper headspace and being financial health and physical health being tied together, as well as mental health. Have you seen a correlation personally between your improved financial health and an improvement in your mental health as well? Absolutely, because I do think the core areas of well-being are all connected from financial well-being, career well-being, you know, your relationships mental health, physical health, spiritual health, all of these areas are related. And for me, everyone has to interact with money on some level. It's it's one of the things that health, we all have health that we need to be concerned about, and we all have money that we need to be concerned about. Even if you hate the idea of money, the reality is in this society, you're going to have to interact with it on some level. So for me, I have absolutely felt a positive shift in my health in, in that regard, Because I don't have to stress about money. I mean, money is still, what, a top two or top three stressor in people's life. If not the top one, it's still a top three influence on divorces. It's still a top three influence on what, how people get distracted at work. You know, a lot of people are sitting at work thinking about money. Right. For example, something that happened to my life recently, my air conditioner died. And for a lot of people, 
that could be a financial disaster. You know, if you don't have some type of home warranty program or something like that, it's like, oh my goodness, how am I going to get this thing repaired? How am I going to get it replaced? The mind goes to the money. It goes mm-hmm. to the money first often and less about the comfort. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? So right. I think not having to think about the money when things happen is a huge benefit. When right. things happen and you can just kind of sit back and say, okay, this happened. Here's my courses of actions. Here's my options. Here's the things I can do from a calm place, not stressed out of, oh, where's the money going to come from? Where's the money going to come from? That makes a huge difference. So being able to sleep at night, and I always say like my, my emergency fund, for example, is one of the reasons why I sleep so good. Right. We talk about that all the time and the importance of having that emergency fund. Oh, I mean, it truly is a huge stress reliever and it improves just your overall approach to life when you're not having to worry about what happens. What am I going to do if something happens to my car, happens to my home, happens to my health? If you know you have that in your back pocket, that changes the game. So not having to worry about that stress, not having that anxiety, being able to go to my job because I enjoy it and not because I'm handicapped to a paycheck is a huge game changer. And I think just to touch on career well-being, the fact that at least half of the workforce is sitting at their jobs thinking about money, another significant portion of the workforce is thinking, I really don't want to be here. And if I had more money, I wouldn't be sitting here. I mean, just think about the person that we then bring to the job. If you're coming to your job Yeah, you might kind of like it, but it's really about the money. Mm -hmm. That's just a different type of thing compared to if you can show up to your job because you genuinely like what you do because you're not stressed about the money. And quite frankly, you might even do it for less money. You might even do it for free. Being able to have that type of mentality for me brings a different type of energy. I don't hate Mondays, right? Right. I don't hate going to my job. I love my job. And the reason why I'm able to enjoy my job partially is because I'm not worried about the paycheck. Yeah. I mean, if you have financial stability and financial health, it just seems like it radiates through all the other health areas of your life, physical, mental, et cetera. It just makes it that much better. And we talk about it all the time. Having a plan increases, I believe, your health and your well-being because you kind of have a working idea of how things are going to play out if they happen in the way. And the emergency fund that you refer to is another huge factor because a lot of people, when they're hit with a situation, like you said, an air conditioner, they're stressed out about how they're going to pay for that. If you already know that you have that emergency fund set aside, it takes all the relief and all that stress right out of the situation and it makes it a lot better. I'm really big on trying to remove unnecessary decisions that I have to make. Like I, right. I really like that whole concept. For example, I, I'm very big into routines. I'm very big into, I know what I'm going to eat every day. I eat the same five to six meals every single day. I have the same morning routine every single day. I don't have to think about these things where most people think, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? I remove those questions out of my brain. So to that point, to your point of what the emergency fund can do for you, that removes X amount of questions out of your decision-making when something happens. Now, you're not worried about where's the money going to come from. Am I going to charge it? Am I going to borrow it? What am I going to do? I don't have to think about it. And when you have that emergency fund, you don't have to think about it. You have a solution if you choose to use that solution. There might be some other things you choose to do too, but at least you know you have that. 
Agreed. Agreed. As part of your story, Ambus, you talk about the selection of your first job. And I found it very interesting because you took it from a standpoint of not evaluating just salaries. I want to touch on this for our young folks who are either getting close to graduation, graduating soon, and are going out in the workforce, because I think this is very important, because I think a lot of times we look at company A and company B, what's the pay? And all things being the same and happiness being the same, you go with the one that has the higher salary. You, however, looked at something different and looked at the overall package. Can you share that story and that experience with our listeners? Because I think it's very telling and very important for youngsters to understand how to evaluate things from a high level like you did. So I had the unfortunate and fortunate pleasure of graduating during the Great Recession. And things were not looking too great. You know, as far as graduating at that time in 2009, a lot of companies, I mean, they were just frozen in their hiring. Right. So I was fortunate to get a couple of job offers, one from Goodyear Tire in Akron, Ohio, and the other Goodyear, their corporate headquarters in Akron, not too far from where I lived, from where I grew up. And Wright-Pat Air Force Base, which was going to be a civilian logistics position supporting the United States Air Force. And the Goodyear tire position, I believe it was going to start me around $52,000, right? which I don't know what that would be in today's money. <laughs> but at that time, graduating from undergrad, fifty-two grand was a good chunk of change in 2009. Yeah, especially during that time period, for absolutely, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. The position with Wright-Pat Air Force Base working for the Department of Defense in the United States Air Force, I believe that was starting around $38,000. So there was a good fourteen grand pay difference. Right, almost and, 30%. Oh, yeah. And it was, again, I'm graduating college, and you tend to want to make the most amount of money as possible after you after I had spent the last 5 years, you know, pretty much being a broke college student. Right. So, my initial reaction was, oh, well, I'm going to take the money. I'm going to go with Goodyear, paying more, Goodyear Tire, you know, great company, legendary company. I'll be up in the corporate headquarters. This will be great. But as I started dissecting the long-term view of both positions, And the long-term view of the Air Force, the government job, while it had a lower salary, they had a promotion training plan. So they had this program where if you do what you're asked to do, you're going to get three promotions each year. There's going to be travel involved, and I love to travel. Right. They will pay for your master's. So as I just started looking at, huh, well... Yeah, it's a lower salary out the gate, but this has some real potential if I hang in there, not to mention the job security of working for the federal government, which it was significant then, it's still significant now. And so as I just started looking at both paths, it really seemed clear to me that I would need to take the short-term sacrifice of getting paid 14 grand less in order to have the job security, the growth potential, the travel opportunities, the educational opportunities that the Air Force position with the government would provide me, that was in 2009. I have absolutely fulfilled and been able to do all of those things and more with the federal government. So I have no regrets of taking the path of the lesser amount of money because I truly do feel like, you know, as I'm still now employed by the federal government going into my my 12th year, it was the right decision that 
100% set me up for career success and financial success, retirement matching, and all all those types of things that come with the government, the benefits, all of these things, it was so worth it. Yeah, I think to me, the important factor here is that they, the federal government, was able to lay out a path for you in a way that you were able to see what you were able to achieve in even a short tenure with them. Whereas Goodyear, without knowing the whole situation, it was just outlying a job and what your income was going to be at the moment, where there was no real clear path of where Ambus was going to be in the next one, three, five, or 10 years. So I think the important takeaway here is if you're an employer out there, it's important for you to have that plan laid out. You may be paying less than the other employers that are in your area or even in your field, but if you can lay out that plan where and show those benefits to your potential employees and those coming out of college, it could be a huge, huge benefit to you and your team if you can do that successfully, right? Absolutely. That made the difference. If I did not have that plan, if I didn't have that information, and if I only had the salaries, going with Goodyear to make more money would have been the only decision I really could have made with no other additional information. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the difference maker there. How have your experiences led you to help coach people now on financial wellness? How have you gotten here? How has that helped you? Well, I think the biggest thing for me is that I'm able to connect emotionally with people on their struggles. You know, I've had my struggles. I've made some decisions. I'm not calling them mistakes. I've made decisions that I've been able to learn a lot from. And I think having that perspective, like gambling, for example, allows me and helps me to connect with people that are typically going through some type of financial challenge by the time they have presented themselves to me that, hey, I need some help here. So I think having that perspective being that I've persevered through what I've been through. I lost $10,000 in three weeks. You know, when I was 25, being able to spend the following 10 months saving $20,000, that gave me a world of experience in budgeting, in what it took for me to to pick up a couple of part-time jobs in addition to working full-time. The mindset that I needed to have, the strength. Can't tell you how many nights I laid up during that time wishing I was out having fun or doing this or doing whatever, I would have much rather been doing something else, but I was on a plan, right? Right. So I think having that perspective allows me to pour into the people I work with from that perspective, which is a great benefit to them. That is a huge benefit. I also think I have a, a strong understanding of how values and thoughts and your feelings can influence your behaviors with money. And I think a lot of times when it comes to personal finance and health is that we tend to want to start from the behavior, how to budget or what's the hot stock or as it pertains to health, what's the best exercise that's going to get me the body I want. We love in society and books and media, they kept, you know, they feed this too. We love to start from the action. But there are so many things that have to be in place before any behavior can stick. Right. And I know you know that. So you have to be stick getting into your thoughts and getting into your feelings and start analyzing your experiences and your past and your personality and how all these things are affecting how you think about anything. Being that I have lived that and I feel like I've I have a thorough understanding of that, that helps me with others because most people 
need that reminder sometimes sure. that you you can't start at the behavior. So that definitely helps. Yeah, I agree. And so what I want to do is leave people with some actionable items today, right? So what are three things that people could implement today that would be easy for them to implement and would put them on a better financial path? I'm very big into what I call financial values. You know, I believe there's like five core money values. I, I believe power is a strong motivator for people. For some people, status is another one. Love and, you know, helping others is another one. Security and autonomy. So I believe out of those five core money values, what I like to encourage people to do is figure out what are your primary. It's almost like love languages. Right. You know, what, what's your primary and what, what's your secondary? For me, I am very big into autonomy. I like the freedom, right? Right. I like what options that money can provide for me so I can build a life where I am in control of everything that I want to do. So that's a huge motivator for me. So I would encourage people to figure out, spend some time thinking about what is your core money value? Like what kind of drives you? Is it status? Is it power? Is it love? Is it security or is it autonomy? And once you figure that out, then you can operate from that place of intention in your thoughts and feelings and behaviors. So I would say that. I think it's important to figure out your desired life. You have to kind of figure out, you have to kind of work backwards. Start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind and start reverse engineering what that will look like for you. So if you know you want to live a type of life where you get to travel internationally twice a year, or you get to work from home, or you get to run your own business, whatever the case may be, figure that out. And then you have to work backwards and figure out what steps would that take? What would that mean in five years? What would that mean in three years? What would that mean in one year? What does that mean on a monthly basis? Right. And I think coming from that approach, you can start figuring out, okay, what do I need to be doing on a day-to-day basis to live that desired life. So I think that's important. And if there could be a third thing, I reflect back on my past a lot as far as what I learned from my parents. I think it's also important to think back to the money lessons you observed growing up. Because I think that influences what people do more than they realize. So what type of household did you grow up in? What type of messages on money did you see? Spend some time thinking about that and making sense of it. Yeah. And I think just to add on to kind of tag on to that also, I think it's important for you to understand where that came from. And then if you have kids, how are you communicating those money messages to them now and thinking about what you're saying in front of them and how you're talking to them about money? Because the reality is much of that is going to stick with them as we've discussed for the rest of their lives, right? Unless they could figure out a way to kind of break that chain and do something different than what they were learned, a lot of what they're going to do and how they're going to react is really going to come from their upbringing. So uh, it's important. I'm glad you said that because I think one thing that gets brought up in the personal finance space is this whole idea that we need money lessons in school. Mm -hmm. And I would agree. I mean, I think a lot of life lessons should be taught in school as far as, you know, resumes and money management, a whole, whole sorts of things. But in addition to that, getting those lessons at home is probably what's actually going to make the difference. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff I learned in school that I didn't stick with me. Right. But the things I got in the home were my parents 
sat down with me. I still remember my mom sitting down with me and teaching me how to balance a checkbook. Now, I also got that class in seventh grade, I believe. I think they'd done away with that curriculum. But the memories are strongest for me when it was me and my mother sitting at the kitchen table showing me those types of things. She could only do that because she understood it. So if there's anything I will also say to parents is like, if there's something you know you don't know, and I think in this day and age with, with the access to information we have these days, you typically know the subjects that you're not the strongest on. Right. Take advantage of the Googling and the YouTube and the blogs and all and the the podcasts, like your podcasts, all of these different avenues to learn more about what you don't know. So you can pass that on to your child. That is going to have a stronger impact more than some curriculum in a school, in my opinion. Agreed. Just make sure it's from a reliable source is all I have to say, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out out there. Yeah, a lot of it. (laughs) There's a lot of bad and there's a lot of good for sure. So what's up next for Ambus Hunter? What's up next for you? I love camera stuff. I like being on camera. (laughs) I like speaking to people. So while I have enjoyed a lot of the one-on-one counseling I have been doing, the next step for me is uh, YouTube. So I've been trying to start a YouTube channel. I've been procrastinating on it just because uh, we just keep seeming to run out of time every single day. But uh, the YouTube channel and building some courses... One thing I've learned through the one-on-one financial counseling, a lot of the same questions keep cropping up, you know, whether it's about debt reduction, budgeting, or investment education. So for me, I think coming out with some courses, some better resources to help people, more of the masses is my next step. So that's what I'll be working on. And of course, I'm always looking to get in front of a bunch of people. So I like doing public speaking. I know it freaks a lot of people out, but it's actually something I absolutely love. So I'll be doing more public speaking in the future. Great. We'll be looking out for those courses as well as the uh, the public speaking engagements. We'll be looking up for those next opportunities for you. So, Ambus, it's been great having you on the show. And we end every show asking each of our guests the same question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? So I had mentioned earlier that I like routines and I have a similar morning routine every day. And that is I make my bed, I meditate, I read about 10 pages, I journal, I set my intention for the day, typically writing in my planner, what I got going on for the day. I do a few physical therapy stretches and I express gratitude So that is something that I do every single day to get me in the right mindset. And uh, that said, it's been, I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity and to be able to have this conversation with you. That's great. It sounds like you have a full day before you even uh, leave the house, so to speak. It's a, you got a lot going on in the morning, and it sounds like there are great things to put you in a great situation to have a hugely successful day and get you in the right mindset. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to have this information in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about Ambus Hunter and what you're doing, how do they find that? Or where should they go? My website is the best place, ambushunter.com, A-M-B-U-S-H-U-N-T-E-R. So ambushunter.com is where I do a lot of my blogging and I post, you know, anything that's pretty much happening with me in personal finance. I'm also pretty active on Twitter. So I'm at Twitter, Ambus V Hunter, but you can just search for Ambus. I'm the only Ambus Hunter you're going to (laughs) find. And on Instagram, I am at Ambus Hunter. So between my website, Twitter, and Instagram, that is is where I live as far as my, my internet presence. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure, Ambus, having you on the show and make it a great day. Thank you. I want to thank Ambus Hunter for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. 
Ambus has seen the ups and downs of living a life without a clear understanding of his relationship with money. He is now encouraging others through his work to examine and transform their relationship with money in order to reach financial well-being. Ambus has used the lessons he has learned in his life to stay on the right path and help countless others reach their personal and financial goals. Ambus can be found across all social media platforms, and all the contact information needed to find him can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content, and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.